Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive, right here on our website. And we're so glad that you're gathering together as God has instructed us. We're using the media for this right now, but we are gathering together around the Word of God. Wherever you're hearing this today, you're part of the Christian community. You've truly been born again. Hallelujah. You know Jesus as your sovereign and your Savior, and God as your Father, and the Holy Spirit as your helper. Hallelujah. Well, we're glad to be here today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We're glad to be here today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and claim the promise where two or more gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. So wherever you are and right here where I am, we are in the presence of of God today. He's in the midst of us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't don't ever think that, that God won't come to a small gathering in his name. Don't ever think that that God only visits or manifests himself to uh, to thousands somewhere. Uh, listen, God says two or more in my name, there am I. Christ promised his presence. Well, having God with us and having God for us gives us great courage and consolation in the days that we're living in. I want to bring you a message today very important to to the prophetic time that we are in. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the candle of the Lord, the candle of the Lord. And I want to read first from Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27. Before we read, uh, once again, I want to say unto all of you who are under uh, the conditions of this pandemic and the conditions of the perilous time that would mark the end time and all of the anguish and pressure uh, when the Bible says in this world you shall have tribulation. It was true from Christ's time to this time, really from the beginning of time because of faulty bodies in a fallen world with a formidable foe called the devil. But I want to remind all of you today under these pressures and under the pain of loss, we have a faithful father. And because of God's faithfulness to us as his dear children, we should have courage and consolation today. Amen. God wants to draw us close to himself that he might keep us in this very dangerous hour that we're living in. Now back to the scripture on the subject, the candle of the Lord, Proverbs 20 and verse 27. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. I like the Amplified, as it says, the spirit of a man, that factor in human personality, which proceeds immediately from God, is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. Moffat's translation says, man's conscience is the lamp of the eternal, flashing into his innermost soul. And uh, just a simple paraphrase said, a man's conscience is the Lord's searchlight exposing his hidden motives. You see, everywhere in the Bible that lamp is used, it, 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 it should be used, rather, where candle appears. 
candles made of wax and is not the object of spiritual reference. A lamp, on the other hand, is fueled by oil and a substance frequently conveying a spiritual meaning. Oil is symbolic on many occasions of the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. Here, the spirit of a man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord searching all his inward parts of the belly. You know, the Bible said in the New Covenant that out of your belly, Jesus taught, out of your inward man, your spiritual man, shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Well, it comes up from our inward man, and it's, it's, it comes forth through our mouth. That's the, that is the, the inward man is the spring, <laughs> amen, of water that is gushing up. And we testify to our salvation. We confess Christ as our Savior. We tell other people about Him, amen. <laughs> Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, springing up from our inward man to everlasting life. Praise God. Back to the conscience here. When the conscience is sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know what we used to call that in the early days of my Christian walk in church? Walking softly before the Lord. That's how we, the term that we would use. It's not some deep theological term. It's a practical, personal way of saying that I am sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I am very sensitive when I do something wrong that I feel it deep within me and, and I don't let the sun go down on my wrath. Amen. I go before the Lord. I confess the sin or, or whatever it is that has caused me to have this feeling. I don't want to lose that feeling. I don't want the devil to abuse it and keep accusing me. And I don't want to walk around in condemnation. But the way to not let the enemy overrule God's purpose of conscience and use it to make me feel like I'm unworthy and God couldn't possibly love me. In no way he could forgive me and restore me. I might have wished to go headlong into sin because there's no hope for me. That's the devil's abuse of conscience. You see, God uses conscience to bring conviction. Because we're dead in trespasses and sins, our spiritual man is not sensitive to God. We haven't been born again or regenerated spiritually until we confess our sin and receive Jesus as our Savior. But the moment we do, we who were dead in trespasses and sins are made alive. We have a, a, a sense of God now that we never could have before. But until then, the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of sin, convict us of sin, and at the same moment, show us that there is an antidote for the poison of sin in our life. And it is the blood of Jesus. And it is the name of Jesus. For it is the person of Jesus. Hallelujah. And when we come to Christ as our Savior. We are born again. And we come to Him. And we repent of our sin. And we confess our sin. And that is the proper use of conscience. You see when conscience is sensitive. To the promptings of the Holy Spirit, God's light and truth flood the soul. Light first shines within, 
And then after we confess our sin and the error is corrected, the light shines without, making our lives a testimony. Now, overriding the conscience is a dangerous and disastrous act, driving us from the illuminating force of God's truth, delivering us to Satan's shadowy world of deception and spiritual darkness. Conscience, therefore, is that faculty in man by which he distinguishes between the morally right and wrong. If you want to know how God is going to judge those who have never heard the gospel, it will be because he has given to every person a conscience. And and listen, that that's a very iffy thing. That's why you, you don't want to not know. You want to know so that you can know that you are saved. You will know how when the when the, the when we stand before God, how that's going to come out because we have we we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Listen, conscience is that faculty. By the way, I want to back up just a moment. The Bible says that God lighteth every man that comes into the world, and to every man was given the measure of faith. And this lighting of every man means that every man has been given a conscience, the spirit of a man. Every baby born is an eternal spirit. A spirit has been placed within that baby, eternal. We see the little physical form and the physical form of people. And our body has a physical form. But in each of us is the inward man. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Amen. The lamp of God. Searching all the inward parts. Hallelujah. So God lighteth every man that he might have this, this inner compass to show him right from wrong and make him feel bad about the wrong and urge him to choose the right. And to every man was given the measure of faith so that we have enough faith in us so that when we hear the gospel, we can believe the gospel and we can receive forgiveness of sin as we repent and confess it and receive Christ as our Savior. So, listen, I want to say it again. Conscience is that faculty in man by which he distinguishes between morally right and wrong, which urges him to do that which he recognizes to be right and restrains him from doing that which he recognizes to be wrong. So every man, however good, someone said, had a yet better man within him. When the outer man is unfaithful to his deeper convictions, the hidden man whispers a protest. (laughs) The name of this whisper in the soul is conscience. Like I said, the devil will try to use it against you to keep you loathing into self-loathing, guilt and shame and therefore doubt and fear because you, you can't believe God is going to help you when you feel like God is filled with consternation towards you. He comes in to subvert the proper use of conscience. When the sweet Holy Spirit comes, He comes to woo you. He comes to show you, yes, your your sin, but He comes to show you the way out of that prison. Amen. The way to be forgiven and pardoned and brought into God's family. Hallelujah. Billy Graham quoted this about conscience. He said, 
To have a guilty conscience is a feeling. Psychologists may define it as a guilt complex and seek to rationalize away that sense of guilt. But once it's been awakened by the application of the law of God, the hearing of the word of God, no explanation will quiet the insistent voice of conscience. Amen. Listen to how David was convicted and forgiven because of an awakened conscience. In Second Samuel 24.10, it said, And David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. O friend, Satan seeks to stop the voice of conscience by pressing man continually to override the voice within. And if we continue to override the conscience and God's promptings, our heart will become deceived. It's, it's almost like a callus starts building up and our heart becomes hardened and our conscience becomes deadened. Romans one twenty one. listen. It says, beginning with verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see the conscience, the spirit of a man, the lamp of the Lord now is getting dim and threatening to go out. In First Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, listen, the last days, the times that we are in right now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared as a hot iron. If someone is going to stop a, a wound from bleeding. They do it now with lasers in surgery. They used to do it out on battlefield conditions when you take a knife blade and you, you heat it until it is glowing hot and then you put it right on the wound where the blood is oozing out to cauterize that wound. These teachers, the Bible said, will tell lies. This is one translation with, with straight faces and do it so often that their consciences won't even bother them. Seared means to brand as a slave wore the brand of his master. Oh, friend of mine, a lot of Satan's children parade themselves as Christians. They are not true to God because they do not belong to Him. They cannot follow Him because they are still slaves to sin. You know, the Bible said, and the servants of Satan, really, the Bible said, whoever's in the new covenant, whoever you yield your members, servants to obey, His servant you are, whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. You know, David, I, I love King David's 
repentance. I love his heart to repent. And he said in Psalm 32, he said, Blessed is the man whose transgression, whose sin is forgiven and transgression is covered. (laughs) And he said, when I held my peace, that means when he didn't allow his conscience to bring him to repentance. When he held his peace because of the gnawing of his conscience, even though he tried to, to block it out and justify his sin, it wouldn't go away. And that's the good, positive, powerful purpose of your conscience and mine. If I sin, man, the Bible said, let, don't let the sun go down. If you want a good night's sleep, deal with what you know you've done wrong before the sun goes down and then sleep like a baby. And because the accuser can't accuse you. And the primary accuser of man is the conscience that God has placed within him. And God wants to use it to bring conviction, which will bring true repentance, which will bring restoration. Glory to God. I don't know how in the world we got such a negative spin put on repentance. Why? Why do we have an aversion to getting back into altars? Why do we have an aversion to allowing our conscience to lead us to the foot of the cross where Jesus says, if you will come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in spirit, and you shall find rest for your soul. Praise God. Amen. I want God to convict me. I, I want to be challenged when I'm in church. I, when I hear the word, I want something in it to make me want to get closer to God and live more devotedly to him in my life. I want to be a real follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a, a spiritual phony, amen, to myself and certainly not to my God, amen. When their heart sm- smites us like David, Psalm 32, blessed. And in that case of blessed, it means happy to be envied. Listen, if you're right with God today and your sins have been forgiven, and I'm not just talking about initially, when you came to Christ, I'm talking about when we, before we lay our head down at night, that we would pray a prayer that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That we would, we would use that opportunity and pattern for prayer to say, Lord, I know today that I failed here and I missed it there, but Lord, I'm coming to you to help me to overcome these things. But right now, I'm seeking forgiveness. I'm confessing my sin. And I'm forgiving those who've sinned against me that you may forgive and restore me. Amen. And the accuser of our brethren, the devil himself. Devil in the New Testament is diabolos in the Greek. And it means a maligner, an accuser, someone who wants to tear down your reputation and, and and attack you and accuse you before God and before man. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible said in Re- Revelation chapter 12, now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accuse them before God day and night. And you know, they didn't overcome him 
by being totally, 100% sinlessly perfect, they overcame him by that antidote that we have for the poison of sin when it occurs or when we are bitten, when we choose the wrong thing and override our conscience and we are convicted and we quickly come before God. Amen. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And the word of their testimony. Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Don't let the devil try to talk you out of the efficacy of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It has been shed that we might be forgiven. And when we are forgiven... It is that sin is forgotten. Glory to God as it is written, saith the Lord. New covenant, speaking an old covenant true, now housed in the new covenant through the shed blood of Jesus. As it is written, saith God, I will cast their sins away from them as far as the east is from the west and their sin will I remember no more. Listen, when God acquits you, when God forgives you, when God pardons you no one can point a finger at you. The devil can point his crooked finger in condemnation all day long but God will not receive the accusation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now if God won't receive it you should your your conscience should no longer condemn you satan will try to to overrule and override god's forgiveness and have you still wallowing in the the guilt of past sins listen god wants you to go free from that that's why the new covenant said having your conscience sprinkled from evil what does that mean that means the guilt and shame of the sins of of your past. And your past may be t something that happened 10 or 20 years ago. Or it may be something that happened yesterday that you have sought and received forgiveness for today. It doesn't matter where it occurred, when it occurred, when it's dealt with through the blood of Jesus, I want you to know it's done and we should let it go. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to stay sensitive in my conscience so God can keep me in that state of fellowship relationship with Him and keep away the condemnation that would try to disqualify me and you from receiving when we pray. You know, David said it this way, If I regard iniquity in my heart, Thou, O Lord, will not hear me. You're not going to listen to me if I feel I'm such a, a rank, loathsome, loathsome sinner that there's no way that you would listen to me when I pray. But when he's forgiven, it all changes. Hallelujah. Listen to what he said. Blessed in Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose transgression is covered. When I held my peace before he repented, my bones waxed old with roaring. That's the conscience trying to bring him to where God wanted him, not to keep him in condemnation, but to set him free from it. Listen, by forgiving his sin. Listen. Oh, I love what David said next. 
He said, he said, my bones waxed old with roaring all the day long when I held my peace. My moisture was turned to drought. <laughs> oh, but when he confessed his sin, I, I want to jump from Psalm 32 over to Psalm 51, which is also prayed in the context of David's great sin and God's great grace to forgive him when he confessed it openly and honestly, when he did not override conscience, but he allowed conscience to do the work that God put that candle in our spirit and become part and parcel of our spirit, amen, to begin with. Praise God. He said, wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You see, repentance, all conviction brings repentance, and repentance brings restoration. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. God wants to do a work in us today so that we can stand with holy boldness in the face of the accusations of the enemy and our conscience can be sprinkled from evil because the blood of Jesus has been sprinkled on the mercy seat so that we could be forgiven and our sin, as far as God is concerned, can be forgotten. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, if you're running from God and you're overriding conscience, I urge you today to do, don't say no again and again and again and again. There was in our church history, I remember we were, we, our church still stands where we used to meet for over 25 or 30 years. Now we've been uh, in ministry here in Tampa for 47 years and counting. But I remember when when a, a man told me the story, he said, I brought a friend to church. And he said, when you preach the gospel, he said, I felt, an, I felt like going forward. I felt like going forward. I felt like giving my heart to the Lord. But, but he said, I had to, I had to hold on to the bench, literally. See, the pull of God through the appeal to conscience and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the pull of God. God wanted to forgive him. God wanted to save him. God wanted to restore him. But he was holding on, not to the, the pew, the bench. He was holding on to a sin that he thought he couldn't do without. See, Satan will want you to override that conviction, that proper, powerful, positive, personal use of conscience that the Holy Spirit appeals to you. This, this was on a Wednesday night service that that occurred. And he had done it many times before, he told his friend. He said, you know, it's, it's like I was almost persuaded like the like the, the the leader said in the new covenant that Paul thou almost persuadest me to become a Christian. Almost persuaded is not enough. We need to give in. Hallelujah to conscience. We need to give way 
to the Holy Spirit. We need to come to Jesus. And if you think you can't do without that sin, let God forgive it. And let Him feel, fill the hole in your heart that you're trying to fill with a sinful practice, with drugs, with drink, to, to quell the conscience, to deaden its effect. Listen, God wants to fill that with His peace, with His love, and with His joy in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. I guarantee if you come to Jesus and you get delivered from your sin, you're not going to miss your sin at all. <laughs> Amen. He's going to fill that longing deep within your heart. Hallelujah. Praise God. But this man didn't. This is the seriousness of overriding, overruling the conscience and thereby the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't want your conscience seared. You want it, you want it sensitized. Amen. I believe God's talking to somebody today in this audience. I know the Holy Spirit and I know how He moves to convict us of our sin so that we can come to Christ and confess that sin and repent of it and be saved and receive Jesus as our Savior. And God's pardon because of His shed blood. Listen, dear friend. Don't say no. Say yes. Don't run from God. Run to Him today. I beseech you in, in Christ's behalf, in Jesus' name, run to God. On a Wednesday night, once again, this man heard the call of God, felt the pull and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. His conscience was still telling him, you know you need to repent of that sin, get right with God. That was on a Wednesday night. On a Sunday morning, beautiful Sunday morning, that man was not back in church. You know, your conscience can make you very uncomfortable. It's meant to. I pray that you will never be comfortable without confessing your sin, that your bones will rack, wax old as David's, that your moisture will turn to drought, that you will give way, give in to the Holy Spirit. That pull of God happened on a Wednesday night. I was told... The week after that, on a Sunday morning, this man went to pick up the man he brought to church and bring him again. The man who held on to the pew to keep from coming. The man who held on to sin that he felt he could. What, is, what a deception of the devil. A sin he felt he couldn't do without. On that Sunday morning, there was a group of people in makeshift boats in the Hillsborough River and he had an inner tube with something on it. It was kind of a you know how people make these different devices to float down the Hillsborough River. There's where he was on a Sunday morning. He slipped off the boat and he drowned. And I pray that he called upon the Lord and I pray 
that you will call upon the Lord today. In Jesus' name.